Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Experience Matters podcast. Kent Clothier Sr. here, your host today. Um, got my, my two sons back on here today for a, another round. We did this uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, Chris is on here and Brett's on here. We'll hear from them in just a second. Uh, today, we're going to talk about challenges for the new real estate investor in today's market. And we'll be hearing from both Chris and Brett in just a second. I want to remind you that you can find us on the MemphisInvest.com website, both audio and video, as well as Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And we uh, ask you to join us on any of those venues. And today, uh, I think we're up to number 27, 27 episodes. This is start of number 27 today. And uh, so let me get jump in here with uh, Chris and Brett. Welcome, guys. Say hello to our audience, please. I'm back. Happy to be here next to you, Dad. What's happening, bud? Thank you, Chris, for being here, Brett. I was on a couple weeks ago. I guess I am allowed back on now. It's been a while since I'm on. I'm not on as often as, as Chris, but I guess... I guess Dad liked something of what he heard, maybe, or maybe not. We we checked the SoundCloud numbers and the Stitcher and the iTunes and your episodes. So far, Brett is ranking as one of the top most downloaded and listened to, one of the one of the most getting to the very end episodes that we have. So we... Well, knowing myself like I do, I can't say I'm surprised. So well, glad I'll, to be back. Tom, all I want to know is if anybody fast-forwarded to the end, okay? And uh, But anyway, back on to the... <laughs> Back on to here today. The only thing I've, I miss is that we don't have Kent Jr. on here with us. So maybe one day we can have all four of us on and doing a uh, well, podcast we where we have everybody on here. So We do have bobblehead dolls of all of us in the corner over there if we want to bring Kent over, Dad, to sit on the, to sit on next the corner. to you with the camera. And it's hard to get a word in with you two. If I hmm. add him to the equation, I'm, I'm not sure how easy it's going to be to get a word in, so we'll... We'll see if that happens. All right, so let's get into it, Chris. This is a really, really good subject for a lot of our listeners that are getting started in the real estate businesses, looking for what the challenges are going to be and maybe how we can help them uh, work through this minefield. Yeah, well, speaking of looking at your numbers and looking at um, each of the downloads and everything, we noticed that your episodes are being shared a lot. A lot of people are they're sharing them. We don't know if they're necessarily sharing them with friends or family or colleagues or uh, if they're being shared through social media, we just know that they're being they're being downloaded, they're being shared. You've got a lot of listeners that, um, you know, the first time they listen, they're not registered or they're not downloading the episode, so they're they're being invited in, and that to us tells us they could be new investors, they could be new to the space, trying to figure out, you know, kind of what's going on. Um, they obviously are investors that that did not get in when the market was at the bottom, you know, when when. Investing was, um, you know, you didn't have to do a lot to be able to find a good deal. You didn't have to do a lot to be able to make things cash flow. There was just deals all over the place. And that's, that's a different story today, you know? So I thought this would be a great topic since your podcast is being shared so much and people are sharing it with, with other investors and, you know, we assume a lot of them are new. This would be a good topic for them to hear about, right? Just that. So we thought we, we would go into what some of the what some of the challenges are you know, for those new investors. And one of the, I think one of the biggest things that we as an experienced investor can all agree on is that the biggest challenge is pricing. Like the, the pricing 
for everything. And this is this is almost universal around the country, even though each real estate market is different. Pricing for everything from the pricing of housing, the pricing of materials, price of labor, it's all higher. Right? Yeah, I mean, all around, when you look strictly at the real estate market, whether it's the hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollar price point here in Memphis that we concentrate in, whether it's the you know, the three hundred thousand dollar price point and up we see in Dallas, all of it is more expensive. Uh, then as you drill it down, as you mentioned a minute ago, Chris, you know, we build houses also, the prices there, lumber, steel, going up. all that stuff, it's all going up. Um, I know one of the things I concentrate on personally is uh, houses in this area that are in the 250 to 400 range, the prices on those are going up, the competition's higher. So the pricing of everything is definitely a big, a big, if not the biggest hurdle that we're facing right now you're in gonna, this market. You're going to hate me for saying this, Dad. Hang on. I know you want to jump in here real quick, but I want to share a quick little story. Uh, Brett and I looked at a house. What year was it that we looked at that house that we just uh, happened to see earlier? I'm going to bring this up. It's yeah. going to get me mad again. Look, it's, it's it was uh, 2012, so six years ago. Six years ago, and you and I, in our infinite wisdom as as real estate experts, we passed on it because it was too what at the time? It was uh, too expensive, and it was about half of what we could buy it for today. Unfortunately. So we passed on a house at 135,000 because we thought it was too expensive. And that house just sold recently for almost 300, just under 300. So in five or six years, and it needed a lot of work, but that same house today, if I could buy that house at 200,000 today in that same condition that I turned it down at 138 or whatever it was, I probably would. So we didn't pull the trigger back then, huh? Nope. And we could probably tell that story several hundred times about several hundred examples over the past five years. (laughs) Well, those of you that are just joining us and maybe new to our, haven't listened to some of the other ones, we, uh, we've purchased over 5,000 houses in Dallas and Memphis and Houston, Little Rock and uh, Oklahoma City. So maybe we can give you a, a, a few little things today. So Chris, um, what would a couple of things be besides uh, maybe the number one thing for a real estate investor as they jump in is just qualifying for a bank loan? And... That's one of the first things, of course, outside of finding the property. But you're going to have to figure out how you have the money that you have to put down and have the money that or procure the loan that you're going to need. And all of these uh, no money down things that are out there, buy real estate without any money and no cash up front. I'd be very, very wary as a new real estate investor of any of those type of situations. What do you guys think? Well, yeah, I mean, it's. For us, we've always talked about that, and you've, I, th- I know you've shared through your, your podcast many times that get rich quick doesn't work. That's not what we talk about. That's certainly not anything that we all have invested in. We've all invested in long-term, buy and hold, fundamentals, let someone else pay your note off for you, make a little money at the end of the, at the, end of the month, use that money to pay off your debt. You know, we don't we don't advocate buying fancy watches and fancy cars and flying on fancy airplanes. I mean, we that's not what we talk about. And if if you find yourself as an investor being attracted to that message and that's the message that's being used to sell you on something, that's not, in our opinion, that's not a good investment, especially not with a house itself. You know, we're we're talking about the the owning the piece of real estate. If you're attracted to the fact that owning that piece of real estate will help you get that big fancy watch, you're probably going about it for the wrong reason, wouldn't you think? Uh, I agree wholeheartedly, and uh, but you're still but going into it. You still have to figure out how you're going to be able to buy the house, whether you're 
uh, paying cash, which obviously is the easiest way up front, but not very many people today can do that. Borrow money from a private lender, uh, some type of lease with an option to buy. Of course, people do that today. But you're going to have to, in the end, as you become a real estate investor, you're going to have to be bankable. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. If you can't, uh, and that, that goes with, I know we're talking about the challenges for today's investor. I don't know, Brett, what do you think? Is it easier or harder for somebody to get qualified for bank money today? It's got to be easier than it was in 09, right? Yeah, it's definitely easier than 09. And going back to what you said, Dad, definitely if you want it to be able to scale it to any any type of volume. If you just want to buy a couple houses, then there's people out there who definitely can do that. But to me, the ability to leverage real estate and be able to scale it from you know whatever your goals might be, whether it's five properties uh, 10 properties for me, I'm at 45 right now and, and continuing to grow. And obviously I didn't pay cash for every single one of those. So leverage has been able to help me get to the point that I'm at now. And, you know, yeah, when, when we first started buying for, or when I started buying back in the mid two thousands, it was obviously easy to get money. Um, then it definitely tightened up around 2008, 2009, as we went through the recession. And then now we've seen it loosen back up a little bit and, uh, to be able to do any type of volume that you want to do, obviously that's that's something you need on your side is the ability to lever. Good word, lever. But um, again, one of the things, the next part after becoming bankable and obviously having the money to put down to be bankable is that uh, the time-consuming process of finding the property, what's really, really It'd be re it's really tough today as a new investor because you're out there doing all the things that you've been told to do and to inspect the house and walk in and check everything and crawl into the sink and crawl in the attic and, and open every door and look behind every everything and here comes, an, here comes an, a seasoned investor that walks through the door, walks through the house in three minutes and walks out and tells the person, uh, the seller, that I'll take it and you're still in there with your flashlight looking underneath the sink, and he's already bought the house. So there's a lot of frustration. So it's a, it's a time-consuming process to locate the house, to check the house out, to find it, and then finally to get it to contract. Chris, you got a uh, comment on that? Well, and what you're talking about is a very, I mean, you're talking about active investing. You're talking about if, you know, for those of your listeners out there that, that want to you know, they're, they're, they may be attracted to, they may already be in the process of, I just, I like looking for houses. I like looking at the deals. I like walking the, you know, as you said, I like walking the deal and figuring out what it's going to cost to make it new or bright or cheery or redoing it, you know, whatever it ends up being those, I mean, that's an active investor. Um, but there's other ways to invest in real estate. So, you know, you can, a challenge today, one that's really kind of been answered a lot um, but it brings its own challenges is how do you invest in real estate if you don't want to be active? And so if you want to be passive and you want to um, own it without having to do all the things that you just said, if really what you want to do is put your money to work, but not have to do all the things, you know, required of an investor. You don't have to walk the house. You don't have to fight with someone else. You don't have to, you know, know every in and out about each particular property. You just have to know those that can help you with it. Um, you know, I think the, there's a lot of different ways that people can invest passively today from REITs to hedge funds, um, building your own team, and even what we do with Turnkey, right? 
That's exactly right. And that's why, you know, part of your, when you, when you get into this as a new real estate investor, you got to know what your strategy is, what your exit strategy, what your front end, back end strategy is, and what you intend to do with the property, how long you're going to, uh, how long your money's going to be tied up or, uh, maybe another strategy that you have. Brett, what do you think on, uh, uh, either the passive or the active strategy? Yeah, I mean, either one, what we say all the time, Dad, and I think you, you say it all the time, is it all comes down to people. And whether you're on the active side and whether it's you're working with contractors, realtors, inspectors, whoever it is, or whether you're on the passive side working with a turnkey company or working uh, with a REIT, it's all about the people that you surround yourself with and building out your team in whatever capacity you're working with a team. Uh, it's Real estate investing is definitely not a solo sport. It's... And no matter what way you look at it, it's all it's all a team. And so getting involved with the right people, again, whether they're you're on the active side and it's the contractors and the painters and your insurance agents, or whether it's just, you know, someone like us, a, a turnkey real estate company who you who you have one contact and who's kind of built out the team, it's all about the people you surround yourself with. You're only gonna go as far as, as the people that you're with. And just to piggyback a little bit on that, then we'll hear from Chris is that you have to uh if you, d you decide to go, and again, it's really two different paths here, the, the active or the passive. Of course, Memphis Invest, we're in the, on the passive side of it with uh, thousands of, of investors and do all the heavy lifting for the investors, but we still go through, through the same things that we're, we're, we're in the trenches every day with uh, eight or nine people trying to buy houses and run uh, do, do everything that we just talked to you about. And of course, we have to we have to line up the money and we have to be able to inspect the properties and we have to be able to move quickly and close quickly. And, uh, and then of course we have the, the property management side of it. So, and again, when we first started in the business, we didn't have that side of it. And of course today with 4,700 properties that we manage, that's a, uh, a really good business to be in for those of you that want to think about that and put that in your vision or one of your goals. That's as you build your business, that's a certainly an area that you might want to, think about being in so Chris what do you jump in here yeah I think that um, one of the one of the things you know because we're talking about challenges so when an investor decides that they want to be passive instead of active and for me I think that's an easy decision to make um, because I don't five kids running the company trying to be involved in their sports trying to be involved you know date night with you know wife all of those things you really have to put on the side if you're going to be an active investor and have that full-time job and have the five, you know, you, something has to give somewhere. You can't, you cannot be dedicated to everything and be good at everything. If you're trying to spread yourself too thin, I guess is what I'm saying. So I'm one of those that says, look, you, I'm all for the passive side. Now the problem with the passive side and Brett, you and I have seen, seen this a lot here lately is, is, uh, you know, we talked so much that on your podcast about who do you trust? You know, we, we, we did how to buy a turnkey a couple of weeks ago. What's a good turnkey investment, a good, a good turnkey company. And it, it goes back to what I was telling you a few minutes ago about slick marketing. We've, we've been, uh, getting inundated as Brett and I are buying more houses. We're getting inundated from other companies that are trying to get our business. There's from, uh, mailing us nonstop to, um, interruption marketing by sending us emails to even calling us on the phone. Same thing's happening to a lot of our clients. 
where they're just getting inundated with these, you know, turnkey companies that want to sell them houses once they've gotten into the market. I think, I think it's a, it's a big deal. And we should talk a little bit about it, about how do they, you know, how do you go about knowing who you can trust, especially when everybody out there sounds the same? Cause that's a big thing for investors today is how, you know, a challenge for them getting started is, you know, every damn company sounds exactly like Memphis invest. They all say the same thing. Right. Well, and we've seen, again, as we've been doing this now for about 15 years, we've seen some of our ideas that are duplicated and replicated on other, in other forms of media and marketing. And again, all we can do is encourage you if you're going the passive route to certainly go visit. We have, I think just this week, we have three to five visitors visiting our Memphis office and our Dallas office. It, Investors are smart. They just want to come. They want to see the team. They want to meet the people. They want to see that it's all real and that you guys are doing exactly what they say you're doing. And so you really, really have to inspect what you expect as an investor if you're thinking about getting in the passive side. Well, I want to ask you a question about that real quick. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's going to go inspect what they expect, they're going to go meet a company. Mm -hmm. And the company talks about customer service. And they talk about uh, how much they care about you and how much communication is very, very important to them and how they do top-level renovations, and they have 98% uh, occupancy rates, and they collect 100% of rents every month, and you know, on and on and on. All these things that, of course, we've spent years trying to, to reach, and you got this new company that somebody's going to go see. What's the number one way that, or the number one thing somebody can look at to know is the story I'm being told actually possible uh you know what i mean it is somebody talks about all this customer service and and all this stuff what's the number one thing that they can look at and just do a quick little count of to see if if the story they're being told is real well when you go to any office whether it's a large passive company or a small one you want to go in and you want to meet the people you want to ask what their responsibility is what their job is if a company has 200 properties that they're managing and they have three people working for them you have to look at that we have 4700 yeah. properties and 90 people working for us uh, in our offices plus real estate plus uh, rental agents that are in addition to that 90 so you have to go looking for the people that are going to manage your property and not only talk to them get intro to them get a tour of their building see what's going on and uh, to me, that's 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 that the whole thing. Is that where you were going with that? Oh well, yeah. I mean, we hell, we have nine people up there that work in our customer service department, and and you know, being the guy that does a lot of the marketing, I just I chuckle sometimes when I see companies that are that they say they're doing, you know, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred houses in a year, and managing whatever a thousand properties, and they're they use all the same marketing, you know, for for an investor out there hearing it they might like really like what they're hearing because they're hearing all these big numbers. They're hearing all this performance. They're hearing all these stats and data. And then you go, go meet them. You go peek behind the scenes and you see seven people working for the company yeah. and you realize that, that's my point. Hell, we have seven people that or nine people that work in customer service. So you cannot do all the things, you know, it reminds me of the story of the, of the Memphis company that, that we're wide open, we're an open book. And they came over here to, to meet us. The owner of the company came over here to meet us. And 
he had been marketing himself for years as a guy that did customer service and called every client every month and, you know, a few other little things. And when he came over to visit us, he walked out and he said I, that he was shocked that we were as big as we were. And he was shocked at all the stuff that, that we showed him and that we met about. And I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? I was like, you, you know, you do the same thing. He went and met our customer service department. And he's like, I didn't realize you'd have all these people working here. And I said, what do you mean? You tell people, you call them every month. He says, I just tell them that. He's like, I just, I just assumed you were full of crap. Y'all were just using that as a marketing gimmick. And so I did the same thing. And you, you know, you, you, on a site like bigger pockets that I see it all the time where somebody will be asked a question and they'll say their answer for, for what they do and why they do it is, well, everybody else says they do. So I say I do. Yeah. And wow. it's so for a new investor, I liked what you said, dad, because people, you can't do this without hiring, training, Taking on the risk, like you just said, ninety people—that's a hell of a um, that's a hell of a payroll to meet every two weeks. That's a that's what you have to do if you're going to scale it. Brett, do you agree with the people side of it? I do, and you know, there's there's one way to do that, and that's get on the ground and meet them. Um, that's the number one thing. Number two thing that I always pay attention to, and to me, it's it can be in whatever business. It can be in the house business, the car business. It can be in you know something you buy online. It can be anything. Is, is to me, it's how long it takes people to respond to you and it's such a minor detail but to me it just tells so much perfect example you know is if one of our customers has to send our customer service representative an email and it takes them longer than a few hours to respond then i don't like that i don't think that's good service and when you go to one of these companies and you see uh like chris you said a minute ago only seven people that work there and you hear complaints that yeah well they don't ever get back to me that would be a big red flag. And, and to me, that's one thing that I always pay attention to is if somebody, if I send them an email and they immediately respond that I know that they're going to be, uh, good in terms of anything else that I might need from them. So that's one thing that I always pay attention to. And you can get, you can capture on that real quick, whether you go meet them, whether you talk to them, whether you're exchanging emails, asking them about their company, you can get a quick indication of what somebody might be like. All right. So I think that's a good stopping point right now I want, Chris what I want to do and Brett I want to come back and and uh, I want to make this challenges for the new real estate investor um, episode one and then we're going to come back with a couple of more and stay on this same topic right here as we walk a new investor through a uh, a path here to uh, to being successful and I think we covered a little bit of it today and about whether they're active or passive investor and uh, we'll continue this on our next episode. Is that good for both of you guys? Yep. Thank, yes, sir. Thank you for both for being on here. That gives us a uh, a topic for the for the next one as we move through this two or three part series. So again, I want to remind uh, our listeners. Thank you for being with us. You can find our company at memphisinvest.com. You can find the uh, podcast Experience Matters there also, and also on Stitcher and iTunes and SoundCloud. And again, we thank you very much for uh, being with us today and following us. Uh, we looked this week; we're just over, and we have twenty thousand followers on our uh, on our podcast. And we thank you very much. And hopefully, we're bringing you some good content, some good education, and uh, we appreciate uh, the following that we have. And we'll see you on the next uh, the next episode. Thank you very much.